Welcome back, Brew Theology listeners. This is Ryan Miller, and you are here for another Brew Theology podcast. Tonight, we're mashing up the topic, Secret Societies. I'm with my friends, Katie, Craig, and Janelle. This episode is brought to you by Fermantra Brewing Company in the Denver University neighborhood off of Evans, sandwiched in between Observatory Park and Platt Park, otherwise known as the greatest neighborhood in the U.S. of A. That's right. That's where we're going to have Theology Beer Camp, theologybeercamp.com. Go there right now, August 18th and 19th, because Fermantra is going to be pouring the glorious goods, the nectar of the gods. I'm so excited. I don't even know what they're going to be pouring. But Brennan and I uh, were texting today. Brennan and Spencer are the the owners, the guys that make that place run over there on Evans. And uh, I was like, hey, man, we're doing an episode tonight on Secret Societies. And he's like, come over, grab some beer. So I'm going to go over there in a little bit, grab some Crowlers. I don't even know what they are yet. By the way, a Crowler, I do know what that is. That is a can Growler. It's It keeps the beer better longer than a Growler does. Everybody's doing it. It's, uh, it's the rave. It's a new thing. So tonight, I think we're going to be drinking some IPAs, some like really juicy, citrusy, hot bomb IPAs. Very stoked about that. You'll know in a little bit when we get together with the group and we actually crack open those cans. So I'm pretty excited because Brennan and Spencer are doing a phenomenal job over there on Evans from Mantra Brewing Company. Love them. Love their beer. Love that place. If you're ever around DU or in the greatest neighborhood in the US of A, Platt Park, you can just walk over there. That's right. Uh, They'll be there with uh, another 11 breweries at Theology Beer Camp, along with Trip Fuller and Peter Rollins. Make sure you get your tickets. It's less than four months away now. I mean, this is crazy. Right now, this is this is May. By the time this episode is released, we're talking May. I'm I'm in a very interesting place in my life right now because this is the NBA postseason. So this episode tonight is Game Five of the Memphis and San Antonio NBA uh, playoff series in San Antonio, and I can't even watch it. This is killing me. Like right right now, when you're listening to this, we already know the winner. I mean, you're in the future right now. This is the past. And so I'm hoping the Spurs win tonight and can close it out on Thursday, which, by the way, I won't be able to watch that game either because I'm going to be with my friends, the Denver Brew Theology community at Chain Reaction Brewing Company, Chain Reaction, another sponsor of the Theology Beer Camp. And we're going to be listening to Tinker, uh, Osage Nation, Native American Studies professor at Iliff School of Theology. And he's going to be cranking out an amazing topic. Can't wait to have him on the podcast. So I'm in this place of like, I'm loving theology. I'm loving beer. But I'm also missing out on the NBA playoffs. And those of you who know me, and if you follow me at all on Facebook or Instagram, you know I am a Spurs fanatic. I bleed black and silver. My daughters, Caroline and Anna, there is no other team. There's no Denver Nuggets for us. We are all Spurs, baby. I can't stand the Houston Rockets. I do not like the Dallas Mavericks. I'm all Spurs. So that just goes to show you how committed I am to believing in what we are doing in the Brew Theology community within Denver and across this nation. So if you want to be a part of this uh, community nationally, like our friends out in New Jersey, go to brewtheology.org. You can look at the different ways in which you can be a local partner wherever you live. Email me at ryan at brewtheology.org. You can also email Janelle at brewtheology.org. Make sure you follow us online, Twitter, brew underscore theology, along with Facebook and Instagram at brew theology. If you would like to sponsor, if you would like to uh, donate, be a Patreon supporter, you can go online, click the donate button. And there's some incentives. If you give to us, we'll give back to you. But really the true heartbeat, what I really desire, the vision that I have is that we would see these communities hopping in a hopalicious way, of course, in a brutastic hopalicious way, hopping up and popping up all across the country. Uh, so we do exist to brew theology, and we want to create this healthy alliance of uh, these eclectic communities of just respectful dialogue, which doesn't happen in our world. So enjoy this episode, and if you like it, make sure you go to iTunes, rate it, review it, share it, and I will see you soon. Peace, guys. So everything is up for discussion. We'll have several rabbit trails, if not several thousand, including the NBA playoff San Antonio Spurs game, which I may or may not be streaming on my lap right now, but I will be, I'll be, I'll be focused. Yeah. 
So here we go. Craig wrote the content. So uh, Craig, why don't you start us start us off, and then we'll just go around, read a little bit of this, and do some questions. All right. Starts with a quote from Adam Parfrey, who's the author of Ritual American. He defines a secret society as a social group that demands an oath of allegiance to join. Quote, that's our perspective. We know that others may feel differently, he says. Some service-oriented organizations like the Lions or the Elks have a great deal of secret ritual within its structure. Rotary and Kiwanis less so, but these organizations, like the Masons, require oaths of allegiance. No oath, no membership. And that's from an article he wrote called The Secret History of Secret Societies by Stephen Heller in the Atlantic from April 26, 2012. These secret societies originated in attempts to seek out deep wisdom and knowledge, gain political power, react to or protect against what was considered to be immorality, achieve oneness with a deity, among other purposes. However, not all secret society not all secret societies are entirely secret. Many of their members may be known, as in the case of the Freemasons, their objectives, as with the Rosicrucians, may be stated publicly. Their teachings, as those of the Assassins, may be available to all. The secrecy of the society is not always confined to, th- to the few. In most primitive tribal initiations, which exactly resemble many civilized secret societies, all the adults are members. This latter fact means that the society is working not against established authority, but for it, removing the validity of the argument that all secret associations are dedicated to the destruction of properly constituted authority. That's from A History of Secret Societies by Aaron Dural. The payoff to membership in societies often extended to outside meeting hall walls. During the Civil War, a number of soldiers from North and South carried on them proof of their Masonic membership, which was supposed to secure them good treatment from the enemy. Conspiracy theories abound regarding the influence that secret societies wield on world events. Movies, books, blogs, and articles speculate wildly about the plots and the motives of societies and members to sway politics and impact people and events for desired outcomes. Some would go so far as to suggest that events are not dictated by the fates, but rather by these powerful secret societies. Some suggest that the secret society known as the Illuminati actually have infiltrated the Catholic Church to the extent that they control the church and the Pope himself, saith Dan Brown. These societies are found not only in American history, but also in the world as well, as in some world religions or spiritual practices. In Buddhist tradition, the White Lotus emerged in the late 13th century and worked to cover up their unusual or illicit activities being vegetarian and permitting men and women to interact freely as incense-burning ceremonies. But why are secret societies feared so much? Churches have broadly condemned membership in secret societies. The arguments against secret society membership include the following. One, secret societies require an oath to someone or something other than God and therefore rivals a person's loyalty to God. Two, secret societies practice and teach in secret when the teachings of Jesus were done in public. Three, some churches dislike the use of hierarchical titles, that seeing, seeing the church as a community of equals. For example, they are against such titles as worshipful master. Sounds like a good title. I'd be okay with that. Uh, What number? Four, a reiteration of values that suppose Christian values are not enough, but need another set of vows, preventing a society member from immoral lifestyle. And finally, the promise of afterlife to members of the secret society that is supposedly guaranteed in the Bible to only those who believe in Christ. And yet, as Dural points out, Christianity, among most major world religions, has some history as a secret society. He writes, quote, Christianity was a secret society in Rome and was considered by the authorities from the start to be a dangerous innovation. The same was true of Islam. It can be said that at least some of the believers in these creeds 
working in secret, were genuinely devout believers that what they practiced was for the eventual good of society. The Arabs today consider that the Jews constitute a dangerous secret society which is dedicated to the overwhelming of the world. The Druzes and Yazidis in Syria and Iraq think the same of the Arabs. Freemasons and Catholics hold almost precisely similar ideas about each other, end quote. Okay, so what secret societies are you all familiar with? The ones that have been mentioned, ones that haven't been mentioned, and if you're at liberty, can you share what you know about them without breaking vows? If you're a part of one, you can choose to be vulnerable or not because this is on the interwebs. All right, so I, I wrote this because I've been reading Dan Brown. You mentioned him earlier. Uh, just in the last month, I've read Inferno and the Lost Symbol, and I just I, I enjoy... That's why you chose this topic. Yes. <clears throat> I enjoy the mysteries that Dan Brown proposes, and I go, oh, the secret knowledge. That sounds really amazing. I might suggest you graduate up to James Rollins. All right. Because Dan Brown writes the same book every time. He just changes the names. Well, but... I'm, I'm sort of okay with repetition. I'm a Calvinist. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm, you know... Dan Brown writes a lot about the Freemasons, so I'm somewhat familiar with it, but it's, you know, it's Dan Brown writing about it. So how much do I really know about Freemasons? Very little in actuality, but I find it fascinating. So that's what I know. So I know nothing because Nazarenes had, uh, we had to take a vow as part of our membership to not ever be part of a secret society. We are one of the traditions that felt they were evil, that felt that they were hiding something. And so that was just not allowed to the point of like, I considered joining a sorority, but that crosses the line. And so I never pursued that because you're not allowed to. Yeah, our tradition was the same. Um, like that's, I think if it's actually, so Katie mentioned her, um, growing up in the Reformed Church in America, that's one of the reasons, here's a little church history for you, one of the reasons the Christian Reformed Church split from the Reformed Church is because of lodge membership. And uh. so the pledging of your loyalty to something other than the body of Christ was frowned upon. Yep. And so something like that started an entirely new denomination. That explains a lot. Uh, doesn't it? Or does it? <laughs> we the could talk about of- that. Yeah, the extent of my knowledge of secret societies really ends at National Treasure with Nicolas Cage. So So good. (laughs) So as you can all tell right now, after listening, all of us are very familiar with secret societies. Okay, we're really not. But I do feel like this is is society societies. As somebody had said last week at the pub, like everybody is in. There's, There's no such thing as like, oh, this is secret, but that's not because we all exist in secret societies. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But growing up Baptist, kind of like Nazarene and probably like Reformed and, you know, this very evangelical conservative circle here of Midwest and Southern (laughs) that we have all, this is is different for us to have all of us kind of similar and yet different for our upbringings. Mm -hmm. Frowned upon for sure in the Baptist church to the point where if you weren't Baptist, you you were definitely going to go to hell, even though they didn't tell us that. That's what you felt. So... I don't know anything about this national treasure and Dan Brown. That's about as far as it goes. So I, I, if you're right now and you're like, I don't want to listen anymore. That's fine. Listen to the next podcast the following week. But we do have some good stuff to talk about because I really feel like this is psychological. It's, uh, it's part of our government. It's part of our religious tribes. It's part of our families. Because we humans like to tell secrets. Yeah. And you mentioned it from the outset that you're, I mean, I'm sort of jumping around, but being a, a part of the Baptist tradition as a secret society. And, you know, so that's, that's one of the last questions, but I think it's interesting to consider as to whether or not the church, as it can be considered denominationally, is, is actually a secret society and is the very thing that the church is warning against. I mean, how many people go, well, it's like a cult. I don't really know what's under, what's going on there. I don't understand it. So, I would be just curious to to start there and yeah. go so so what do you think are we are we as church people <clears throat> preventing folks from joining because we're keeping secrets yep say more about that um 
I think that at least from the tradition I come from, uh, we have some very special doctrine involved in what we believe and that basically salvation isn't enough. You have to take the next step beyond that in order to be fully reconciled to God and to be fully living in a life toward, toward him. And so I think a lot of times people didn't understand what we were talking about. Um, definitely in general, and I think this would probably apply to all of us, is kind of the evangelical vocabulary that we all get so familiar with. But for someone coming out in from outside, that is so secretive and like alarming. Like, what do you mean? Um, and probably one of my, like the best illustrations I have for this isn't my particular denomination, but I was part of InterVarsity in college at a very small campus that was really conservative. And the sound guy was talking to my husband one night and mentioned that when they do worship, it looks like this secret thing that we don't know anything about. Like he felt very pushed away and very like skeptical of what was going on down there because of the way that it looked and the way it presented itself. And so I definitely think we do the exact same things that we're accusing some of these things, these groups of doing. I mean, I have a psychology background and what comes up for me just in even talking about this secret society's topic is what it means to be in a group and what it means to be outside of a group. And often your group how you define your group is reflected by how you define the people who are outside of your group, how you define who are not the members of your society. And so I think that a lot of, I, I think when I was growing up, a lot of how we act as members of the church is we don't do all of these other things. And what are those don't do? Let's go around do. the circle. So <laughs> Nazarenes don't drink. You're a bad Nazarene, nasty woman. I think I was taught that RCA members only drink on New Year's Eve. Okay. What else didn't you do? Uh, we did not dance. Amen, brother. Mm -hmm. And we did not play cards. Amen, brother. Except for Rook, which was that okay. That is correct. We were not allowed right. to mess around with Dungeons and Dragons oh, or Ouija no. boards or anything of the occult, so that would include... Harry Potter came out later when I was in college, mm -hmm. but I'm sure growing up, I wasn't allowed to. Read Pokemon Harry was a no no. He Man and I watched He Man, but I remember there was an issue with He Man because by the power yeah. of grade school, I have the power. Although Adam was such a wuss, but when he turned to He Man, he was a badass. Well, and it was the sword, and you know, Shira wasn't always dressed appropriately. Hey, He Man wasn't either. No, he really wasn't. He was not. You saying there was some all. sexism and unconscious bias as a kid <laughs> that I wasn't aware of? <laughs> Never. We we also were not permitted to mow the lawn on Sunday. Correct. Strict, strict Sabbath observance was a big deal. Don't in eat tradition. in a restaurant where they serve alcohol. Well, don't eat in a restaurant at all well, on, on Sunday. Yeah. yeah. ACDC Metallica. Mm -mm. No. Against against Christ, Devil's Child. You mean? Ooh, I that's. Against Christ. Hmm. Yeah. ACDC. What does it actually stand for? I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So, heavy metal, rap music. Someone's got to Google this, right? I know. Yeah, so, right now, we're going to look this up for you. Uh, people who are listening going, man, you guys don't know that? Yeah. That's right, because you're talking to a bunch of kids who grew up in evangelical Midwest Southern cultures. Because we were listening to DC Talk, not ACDC. <laughs> That's right. Michael W. Amen. Smith. Stephen Amy. Curtis Chapman. Amy was on the outs, though, because she got Patty. divorced. And then she got divorced. That's right. And if you get, well, anything along those lines that happens to you in that, you get like 10 years and then you come back into some inner circle. Right. And they decide if you can come back in. But there's rules. Like, and it's kind of funny how those things are kept secret and yet everybody knows that they're happening. Right. But then once you find out about it, okay, so let's keep that secret from those people until we can then finally, finally tell everybody what's going on. But then we're going to keep you over here for a while and mm -hmm. like do some penance for oh, yeah. 10, 15 years. Yeah, for sure. Mm. ACDC? I've, yep, I've got it. Alternating current, direct current, an electronics abbreviation. Also used as slang for bisexual. The notion is of working both ways. Yeah, that would not have been allowed. No, no, no. Mm -mm. You were one sexual growing up. 
You wouldn't have found that at Family Christian Bookstore. Oh, okay. So not, not to get us too far off, but this is helpful because I think that what Katie had said about belonging and this is tribalism. And so if you can figure out who you are by what you're not, um, people do this all the time. Whether you're So if you're in a fraternity, let's say you're a Fiji or a Delta, and that might mean nothing to you. But if you are a, you know, you're not a, you're not a KA or you're not a Sigma Chi. And so it's, it's kind of weird. Even in college, I don't know if you remember around the campuses, it was, you know, these guys would have this party and then these people were not allowed, but the girls were allowed, but not the other guys. We, we didn't have fraternities and sororities. So no, I don't remember that about college. <laughs> Ours were supposedly dry. So right. Craig, is this mm-hmm. your first beer? What do you mean? <laughs> I'm not drinking. Oh. See, mine's empty. Um, I I wonder how much of the secrecy though is. I mean, you you sort of like Janelle. You're talking about salvation's not enough. We have this other set of rules, and I wonder how much of societies. And I, I guess I'm thinking about the the church, but others in particular. Like, so I'm a I'm a baseball fan, right? And we talk about the unwritten rules of baseball. I mean, are there unwritten rules of church or, you know, neighborhoods even for that matter where we keep people out because we have this unwritten code that the people who are in sort of understand it, Mm -hmm. but they couldn't necessarily articulate it, which keeps people out and I guess by assumption keeps people in as well. So is is it sort of that unwritten code? that makes a society secret or are there actually written things that we go, we're guarding these things and we're not going to tell anybody until they get in. I think it can be both. Definitely. I mean, definitely we see in Mormonism that um, things are guarded and hidden and, but they also then have, they also have rules about what keeps you out or what keeps you in. Um, And maybe it wasn't quite, that blatant for my tradition, but I mean, at the same time, and we talked about holiness that carried with it a whole big, like, like, you know, a talking balloon in a cartoon, it carried with us that whole balloon of understanding of what it meant to be sanctified. So I could say, are you sanctified? And then someone would say yes or no. And then I have to find out, are you really sanctified or are you just claiming to be sanctified? How can you prove it to me? And a lot of those proofs are through behavior, through the way you talk, the way you dress, what games you play, all those kinds of things. Um, I mean, one of the distinctions that we used to always talk about was that we were sectarian, but not cult-like. So a sectarian means that you have high tension with society, but you don't go over that line into a cult. And as I've worked with more and more people recovering from evangelicalism, I think that line of what is sectarian versus what is cult-like has gotten really, really blurry. Because even if we don't, for instance, make our women wear a head covering, that doesn't mean that those messages about modesty and, and body protection and purity don't feel similar to someone being told to wear certain things. And I, I think, and that's just an issue that it's kind of easy to explain, but I do think there's a lot of that in the tra- some of these traditions where there are tons of rules that exist there um, that we, we don't necessarily put on the piece of paper. Like we say, women should dress modestly, but if you want to know what the rules are, then you got to go talk to the youth pastor or his wife. So what are the, like the, what are the purposes of keeping these kinds of whether they're spoken or they're unspoken rules that keeps tribes in and out. Is it, is it, is it about ultimately tribalism? What's the purpose? Why, why does, if you're going to be an idealist and you just, cause we'll, I know that we've all realized it at times like life is gray, but if we just throw on the idealist hat, why, why do we need to have these? What's the purpose of vows and oaths and secrets and codes? I, my, my understanding, at least of the tradition of the, you know, the, four or five or six things that we listed there. Like the, the reason the church, if you can take that term broadly is, a, is against secret societies. It, my, my understanding of it, it has to do with sort of the pr- protecting the, the purity of the church, right? They, 
they want to make sure that the folks that are um, subscribing to and pledging their lives to Christ are not subscribing to and pledging their lives to something else. And so we want to make sure you are wholly committed. This is your pledge of allegiance to Christ, nothing else. And in its purest form, I think that's what they're intended to be. So it's a handshake and a, and a word from the mouth that you don't actually have to believe in your heart, but you have to do it. I would say ideally it's, it's all, but I mean, any, anything like, I mean, let's say you join the country club, right? How, how much is your heart committed? It's, it's probably just as far as your pocketbook will take you, Mm -hmm. right? You write the check, you join. Do you love your country club? I don't know, but I wrote a check for it. There's also a code of ethics at a country club. Some. Yeah. You have to dress a certain way, talk a certain, you can't cuss somebody out. I mean, you can't come in with your tank top on and, you know, uh, a wiener bikiner. (laughs) What's that? A banana hammock. You can't do those things at a country club. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it depends on the country club you just joined, Ryan Miller. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I, yeah, I don't know. I think there's, well. I think that, not to switch gears too much, but I think that, leads to another I don't know if I would say intended um an intended factor of these secret societies often has been to maintain a certain level of class um and whether I mean and I'm so unfamiliar with the people that are in these secret societies but have heard that there's a certain even especially like back in you know the early 1900s and especially in the south there was very much a class system within the secret societies um and even like looking at like the kkk as a society it was very much a a part of membership was depending on what class you were a part of and you were excluded if you were not a part of that social class well and if we're being honest i think we can see that in churches as well like i mean it's not ever probably that blatant but we do know that there are certain churches you can go to if you want to rub rub elbows with certain people um and that's just a reality that's not something they're going to advertise or anything like that but it is a reality but that's not a like a maybe it is and I'm just naive, but that's not like a denominational thing, right? Is that a, a location specific? It's probably more location specific. Mm-hmm. So, is what do you think? Is the is the church justified then in condemning secret society membership, or are they full of? Well, I think they just they just want um, to have the truth. They, they want to be the holders of the truth. And if you're a part of a secret society, that implies there might be truth elsewhere. And so, no, you shouldn't be a part of that because the truth is here. And this is all you need. All you need is Jesus, right? Jesus is everything. So why would you need something else? I think that's kind of the attitude that I always Yeah, and those heard. secrets will lead you astray, slippery slope. Right. The next thing you know, you're going to be having sex with animals out in the field at late at night with a pentagram and a fire. You had to go there. Yeah. But, but old, I mean, that's, that's what the fanatical people would say, but you know, I bet you there's some people who are very, what we would call sane and what we would call normal who would think that, yeah, a secret society is a slippery slope. And it back to what Janelle said, um, the truth that you hold that your tribe holds is the most important truth. So no secrets, secrets, except for your own secrets. I think I hear my mom saying in the back of my mind, well, then why is it a secret? Why, why are they keeping secrets? If it's, you know, if they're not doing anything shady, why, All right, why now, the secret? Now let's, let's really talk about, let's get real. Let's get House of Cards, Game of Thrones, whatever uh, sort of picture TV movie we want to go with, with your metaphor analogy. There's a reason, and I'll even quote Jack Nicholson in a second. And you know what movie it's going to come from. Why? There's a, I think that we have to keep secrets. 
and you can say I'm wrong. You can call out on my bullshit. Uh, last week, two weeks ago at the pub, um, two people and I were both like, yeah, absolutely. Society has to have secret societies. It happens in government, it happens in church, it happens in these niche uh, secret society communities that we'd mentioned in this content, and it keeps society um, normal. It makes sure that the masses don't panic and freak out. Uh, it makes sure that power is in the right hands and not the wrong hands. I mean, this is, this is very high up stuff, house of cards. And now I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying it's it is what it is, and you can try to deconstruct and have this. But what uprising. function does it serve in the society in the culture as a whole? I'm not well, sure that, I'm getting that. Uh, I mean, okay, so again, if it's if it's financial, if it's having the right people in power, then it's making sure the people who but there are have, no right people, and a lot of times it's well, the wrong people in power. Well, I think we've real. I'm I'm playing devil's advocate. I think we we've realized that today. Because of globalization and the internet, things are leaking. Oh my goodness. But what if everything leaked? Do you really think that we should all know what happens in Washington every second of the day? Do you think we should really know what happens in each denominational um, gathering of the higher ups, whoever they may be? Well, okay. So, but right there, you cross the line. Like when it's the government, that's one set of beliefs. But when you're talking about shady stuff going on in churches, I absolutely think it should be public. If my denomination is hiding a sex scandal and then letting that person still be a minister, I absolutely want to know. And they should not be allowed to hide that. So, yeah. Yeah, so okay. there's that, a line okay. there. How's that different than a government, though? I mean, because well, what's, what's... And maybe it really isn't, but I definitely think if you're duping believers like who who not only tie this to the people, but they tie this to their image of God. You're not just destroying, you know, how they may feel about their government or their elected official. You're destroying how they view the universe and how their, their whole belief system. And I, I mean, if you're going to play that game, you better have a good answer on the other side of it. So maybe this comes down to um, zombie apocalypse stuff. Once we figure out that the whole world's infected and, uh, People are going to start. They're going to start raiding uh, and um, looting, and I mean, this is going to be. And I know that's the extreme example because we've all seen this in movies and TV shows. Um, but uh, so then there's the meeting. Okay, there's a church meeting, which is the leaders and the elders or deacons, whomever they are. And then there's the meeting after the meeting. So let's say that let's say there is a sex scandal, and I'm not saying you keep it secret, but let's say. Uh, I mean, the Catholic Church has dealt with this before, and then. But what happens if? Every, everybody knows everything all at once versus this happened. We're going to deal with this with this family and we're going to do it right. And then we're going to let the people know, but there's going to be a process to that. So it doesn't just create um, even more stories and more rumors and more chaos than because in a, in a way, yeah, because people will, because they are married to the institution, they will leave, they will freak out. Um, and I think we've all dealt with stuff in churches before that's leadership's handled it poorly. And then you look back, it's all in hindsight, right? Please How, feel free to share your stories with us. Are we going to do that tonight? <laughs> well, we can do it yeah, some other because, night. No, no, because, but there are some stories that, that I have that I, I'm not going to tell names, of course, but to where I, there's been meetings after meetings. And I had one leader in a church tell me once saying, okay, you know, I, uh, I want you to make sure that you're reaching out to the Abercrombie and Fitch crowd. And at the time, we really weren't. But there was a reason why this person said this, and it was a re- there's a reason why we were having this conversation behind his closed door office and not out in the open with the other leaders. Had the other leaders have known that, and had the parents had known that, can you imagine what would have happened? Hey, on a Sunday morning, here's what this leader said because this guy was pretty high up. Now the reason he said that, we all know why, because their parents have money, and we need to put butts in the seats, and then because those butts have money, and if it comes from this crowd, then we are the cool church on the corner. Is that wrong? Absolutely wrong. I was I was young and I freaked out, and uh, I probably didn't handle it the best way. <laughs> but th- but those those kinds of meetings and conversations that's that's pretty light. But those happen all the time everywhere. Yeah, I think we're we're kind of crossing the line from secret societies to secrets, right? Like where? But we all the... we all have them. So we're pulling the societies into smaller groups. As somebody had said last week, this is society societies because there's no such thing as it's all secret from government. 
right? Politics, business, religion, and cults. <laughs> We're all cults. This is not depressing, but it's just reality. Jack Nicholson said in A Few Good Men, you can't handle the truth because they couldn't. And then eventually they did. And then, you know, justice is served. But I think for uh, everyone in the room here is Christian. I think, but then when we start looking at that in the light of Christ and what it means to be Christian, what are we called to? Like, and I under, okay, like I totally want to say up front, like, I think that there are certain personality types that this is really, really hard for. And I think there are other personality types that can walk in this space and it doesn't like interrupt their entire soul. I tend to be in the former group where I would rather that it all be out front because I, I'm not doing that shit. Like that shit's been done to me and I'm not doing it. Yeah. So but, no, no more games. But yeah. I, I know why they're necessary sometimes. And I know that there are other people that it just doesn't bother the same way it bothers me. And I don't know what that means. I think it means we're all different and we're all human. But what does it mean to be loving and opening, caring? What does that mean mean when we expect that what comes with that are secrets? That's really that's really hard for me. So if it's if it's all gray and we've all got a little bit of this good and this bad, that there's not like, oh, this person or this tribe is evil or they are the best. No, that's bullshit. We would all agree that I mean, so original sin, original blessing, that's a conversation for another day. But we're a bit of it all, aren't we? Yeah. So what happens then when you can't trust certain people? So you have to have the secret meeting because if it was out in the open, then other people's lives are in danger. Are their lives in danger? That's the question, isn't it? That's why we have secret societies. Well, I mean, I don't mean this in a someone's going to come into your house and kill your family, lives at danger. Although some people would go that far. I'm just saying... Um, the so the community, the uh, the vibrancy of that community. If uh, if suddenly everything was out in the open, and you know Jack and Jill went up the hill and they were a part of that conversation, and they shouldn't be because we know that, that you know Jill really wants to just smash Jack's head open. If she has the opportunity, she will. This happens. So come on. You're, well, I'm sp- I'm speaking of metaphors tonight. Okay, this is what happens when I going? this is what happens when I got an NBA game on the side. Um, yeah, just ignore him. There's no, but there's no, there's tra- there's tra- there's transparency, and then there is reality, um, and so I, so I, I personally don't think you can trust every single individual. So here's 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 an interesting. As you're talking, I'm thinking about Robert's rules of order. Okay, very helpful. Yeah. Okay. So when you have a meeting that's run by Robert's rules of order, you have in in my experience applied to the church council, right? So you've got this elected in our tradition, elected to three-year terms, um, body of representatives. And then you run your meetings by Robert's rules of order. Technically the meetings are open to the public unless you go into executive session. Then any visitors are dismissed and it's secret. The minutes are kept, but only internally and no one else sees them. So it's like you've got, now you've got this secret proceeding happening within a, a public body, but, you know, and we've had that on a, on a regional level where you go into strict executive session, which means unless you are delegated to this meeting, get out of the room because we're going to talk about some highly sensitive stuff. And so it's, you know, it's a, it's a secret society and maybe it comes out, but the idea is that what, you know, the, the Vegas adage, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Like what happens in strict executive sessions stays in strict executive sessions. Doesn't quite have the right, the same ring. I know it's a little, it's a mouthful, but, but still there's like this, is it a protection or is it just a, a necessary boundary so that people can be free to speak honestly. Yeah. Do you, do you ever have those moments where there's a certain dynamic in the room, somebody else comes in and then you realize uh, people clam up and they put 
you know, they have, there's walls and yeah, because all it takes is Craig walking in a room, the Calvinist, and you're like, I can't trust a Calvinist. You got it. Because <laughs> that's yeah. going that's going up. I mean, this, this happens in our in our families when we are on, you know, back home Thanksgiving, Christmas vacation. If certain people are in the room, you're not going to have certain conversations. Can we? Janelle is looking, at, <laughs> like thinking, going like, I don't. I, do you, <laughs> I, for me, and just I try not to have those things. I mean, I I almost consider that part of what I strive for is to to be honest with people. And yes, I think you have to do that sometimes in different settings, in careful ways, but. I, I'm not okay with kind of the societal rut that I think we've gotten into that we can have all these things behind people's backs and that that makes everything okay. Like, and I, I don't know how you fix it. And I, I don't know what an ideal situation would look like. And I totally get that. I probably sound like a total like utopianist. I get it. I think so, we, but, but I think we all I, want, I think we all want that. I think, but I, I I care about people and I love people and I I just try to be real with them and I try to be authentic with them as much as I can and sometimes that hurts and sometimes it's hard and sometimes I fail but I think it's a better way to try to do life than to be figuring out what I can say in which society behind which door like I just it's not appealing. So would you say that like the the issue with secret secrets and secret societies is a group of people trying to maintain some sense of control that they're not allowing others access to. I think sometimes that's what's happened. Like, and there's a difference here. I do get the difference between like having a leadership meeting, like as you're moving an organization, a certain direction or, um, you know, trying to make sure that all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. I think where the line gets really fuzzy for me is when you're, doing something like targeting a certain group that attend your meetings or, um, you know, trying to, to move something, a direction that, you know, one of the partners doesn't agree with like those or even in family. Like if you've got a, someone that's super annoying or super aggressive, like to like, we only get one shot at this life. Like you need to go have the conversation. And if if they if they won't change or they can't change, like then you deal with that. But I think a lot of times we use this as an excuse to not have conversations that need to be had. So it's more of like a triangulation kind yeah. of thing. Like I'm not going to talk to you. I'm going to talk about you to somebody else, and we're going to push you out. Right. Mm -hmm. I've been on the receiving end of the other the other end of things where. I'm saying this out of honesty, but really as kind of a manipulative tool to hurt you. And so part yeah. of that, you know, I think it can go the other way as well. Um, but that still is, you know, a kind of secret motive, a, a motive behind the scenes that's manipulative. Right. And not cool. I don't know. I mean, I and this this is going to sound totally lame in the midst of this, but I think we need to be good humans to each other, and I think we need to do that all the time, whether we're part of a church or an organization or a business or a secret society. Like, are we being good humans, and are we making the world a better place? And I think a lot of times the the hidden motive behind either passive aggressive directness or behind secretness is to try to manipulate things without actually dealing with what's going on. And, and we, I think if we want to change the direction the world is going, we all have to work on it, even if we make mistakes, even if it's painful. But if we keep trying to manipulate everything and control everything, and like that doesn't end anywhere good. Well, that's the difference between, you know, going from, from pride and control to really saying you know maybe things aren't totally in my control mm -hmm. and moving toward a posture of humility yeah i've i've so i'm gonna i'm gonna play ryan's devil's advocate because <clears throat> ryan has a devil who plays the advocate 
Um, so being good humans and making good human decisions, um, I've heard it said that you can't expect unhealthy organizations to make healthy decisions. Can you expect unhealthy humans to make healthy human decisions? No, not always. I do think though, and I think what, what Katie said is really important. Like, like we have to understand who we're, I'm, I'm going to mess it up. Like we have to understand who we're talking to and what the situation is. And it's, I have to do my best to understand what's going on and interact within that in the moment. Like, I, I just, sorry, this is like way off topic. I think we get into modes where we're functioning off of what so-and-so did three or 10 years ago or what they might do in the future. And we're not like in the moment with them now, recognizing that they're super broken. Life sucks right now, but they're, they are giving me their best. Like now it may still be broken, but they're, they're trying. And so then I can either respond out of spite or passive aggressiveness or manipulation, or I can meet them where they're at and do the very best I can. And that doesn't mean that it's all going to work out, but I can give them my best. Um, This is process totally getting like up in my head about like it's if God's going to give me his best option for every decision I make, then it's my responsibility to put that in front of people when I'm with them, even in their brokenness, even in their mess to just say, like, this is the best conversation we can have. Let's try to have it or let's try to have this great moment together. Um, and if I hide that and let that build up, all uh, what I find in my experience, all that does is make me ugly. And the first step is giving people the benefit of the doubt. I mean, and with then, wisdom, like yeah. like you said, I think especially in the church world, we've experienced that there are some people that aren't very trustworthy, and they've shown that. And so I give them the benefit of the doubt as much as but I can. Be, uh, be shrewd as a yeah. serpent and innocent as a dove. There's a little, yeah, be compassionate and gracious and loving. And it's the whole idea of like, you know, we've locked our door, you know, doors and closed the windows. Like, no, keep the, maybe the window a little open just in mm-hmm. case, like, so they can feel the breeze and okay, the lure that comes back in. Yeah. But hey, don't let them in your house because maybe that's what Jesus was talking about. But, you know, dust your feet too. He says this as well. If, um, if we're talking the Jesus talk for a second, getting all biblical. Hmm. Hmm. And I don't know how any of that relates to secret societies, so I did not mean to hijack your your topic. Thanks here. a lot, Janelle. <clears throat> yeah, yep. I can see how you value my do, input. Do we do we like the idea <laughs> of having knowing that somebody has our back, or is that just you know good old boys club and it needs to go bye bye? Because ultimately, these secret societies are very patriarchal, and they're very white, and they're very middle upper class. Not all but the majority of the ones that have power are. I mean, I would pose the question, what benefit do they serve to those who are not within the society? That's a great question. For any secret society or any secret religion or any of the secrets, like how is it helping those that they're not with? Well, one of the, one of the things we talked about last week at the remix was, um, like our our families considered secret societies. Like how how small do you go? And so to I guess the so to put that question on it is what what benefit is my family, right? So nuclear family of four, what benefit is our family to those who are not a part of it? And is it is is it important for us to share our family secrets with the rest of the folks who are not a part of that. But at the same time, that's a different question than the, you know, the Freemasons who have set beliefs and teachings within their organization that are maybe not meant for consumption by the general public. Unless the essence is, you know, like you said, somebody who's got your back, like, is it, is it provision and protection I mean, is is that what secret societies were initially formed for? It was like, you know, some of them were secret because they had to go underground for just for the sake of protection. And, and survival. Right. So the family unit formed 
um, you know, to, to protect, right. You need other people who have your back. And so you, you do things in secret because to do them in public means you're, you're vulnerable. And so, you know, I sort of look at our little family and go, well, there's, there's nothing, nothing that we're doing. That's going to, I don't know, maybe there is, (laughs) that's going to make it put a target on our back. But at the same time, it's like, well, I know that my family is, I think, going to have, I guess I don't know. I think that my family is going to have my back, right? Like that's the, the tightest unit that you can form. So what's, what benefit is that of the community? And, and does, is that even the right question? Well, I think if, if we're going to go with the family metaphor, like for one, you and your wife um, are an example of a healthy marriage. And you're showing that to the world around you. And especially with all the work you do with planting and being involved in the community, like you're showing them something that some people may have never seen in their life. What does a healthy relationship look like? And then when it comes to raising your kids, you're raising these magnificent kids. And someday, and maybe this comes into play later, but someday there'll be young men that come along and be part of that journey too. And I know, I know, it's they terrifying. They better be really, really, really quality young men. Just yes. saying. And I'm not a gun hunter, but I will come over to Craig's house with a gun if those boys do anything Thank to you. his girls. There I, you go. I am a gun He's owner. He's got your back. That's right. Secret society. Family. <laughs> but those, you know, there are, there are, I think, patterns and behaviors and narratives that go in families that eventually, someday, you may share with those, those people that will come into your family. And your girls are going to have to learn what are the, the guidelines and narratives and rules over there and how do we make those into our own network um, and how do we have each other's back in new ways. I mean, I just think there's a lot that comes out of that family idea of just being examples for each other about what goodness is um, and how it works and how do we disagree well and how do we have hard conversations well and how do we create goodness around us. Like, that's a ton of positive stuff. Yeah. So the, uh, the family then can it benefits the whole. So the secret, the secret society actually benefits the whole in a way that's loving and good for the world, then you're okay with it. Mm-hmm. Because I'm thinking practically now about numbers, numerical numbers. So you get beyond a certain number and no, you, you really can't, you can't do this, this thing. Well, whether it's family right. community, like then you have to, I mean, it has to be done in a systematic way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess this, this just goes back to like, um, leadership and commit committees and all the things that we like, blah, blah, blah. We, none of us really like to do, but they, they are necessary because everything was just out in the open with thousands of people. Then it just sort of like this, uh, I don't know, maybe it's this big Mardi Gras of chaos <laughs> and that could be fun for a week, but for a year, the world is going down the toilet. <laughs> yeah. You Practically speaking, you you need to have small, small, yeah, you need to have some order. And order is typically done in secret. And then it becomes, if it's good for the society, then you, you know, you sit in the information appropriately. I hate to say it that I, I'm becoming old in my old age. I never wanted to say these things. I don't even know if I believe what I'm saying, but I think, I mean, your now, mother will be so proud. Now, four decades in, I go, yeah, I'm getting a little bit cynical, a little bit jaded. It's your 40th season. That's what happens. Maturity. Mm. That's what they call that. That's hard to believe. Well, I remember, my wife told me years ago when I was an idealist and a hope-filled dreamer, and I still am a dreamer, but she said, you, you can't trust people. You can only trust yourself, and that's about it, you and me, because like, nobody else has got your back. And this was, this was years ago, and I was like, what? No, you know, let everybody know. And I think she could be onto something. I mean, who knows? Thanks, Lauren. Yep. She, I mean, doesn't, she doesn't listen Lauren, to this. If you're listening, if you're listening right now, which you're not, you're the best wife ever. The, I think that the, that raises the question, though, of agendas, and I, we sort of touched on it, but like the agendas of societies and individuals and families, and all right, so let's let's talk about agendas, because <clears throat> I mean, yeah, you you don't trust people because you don't know what their agenda is. So people come close and you trust them for a while. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, well, the, their agenda was different. So who, who really has your back? And if, 
you know, the society is for protection, then, I mean, that's one thing. I, I don't really know where I'm going with it, but it just struck me like the idea of what, what is the, what is the benefit? Janelle asked that question um, for the, for the greater society. And how do you balance, I guess, the agenda with the purpose that, does that make sense? I, I think for part of it is, is the agenda about bringing goodness into the world or is it about hiding something? And I, I think that might be a key line in a lot of this too. Like, are we, what are we trying to hide? I mean, are we hiding a secret handshake? Fine. Are we hiding a mission statement? Fine. But if you're hiding abuse, not fine. You know, if you're hiding something raci racist or sexist or any other of those categories, no, that's not fine. So we, what is the purpose of the agenda and what is it hoping to impact around us? And along those lines, who is it going to benefit? Is mm -hmm. it for the benefit of a select few or for the greater group? Uh, and if there are any hot fuzz listeners in the house, for the greater good, for the greater good, for the greater good. What no? are you doing? No, nobody, you guys haven't seen Hot Fuzz? Secret Society. It's been a while. Oh. Sorry. Okay, so tonight, after this episode, if you're listening, watch Hot Fuzz. And this, Is this, this a movie? Oh, it's a phenomenal movie. Is it's it a on comedy, Netflix right now? It and might it's be. off the charts wacky at the end. You're going to be laughing your ass off, but it's all about a secret society community. And they keep secrets for the greater good. For the greater, for the greater good. Anyway, some will get that reference and others will Google and watch tonight. I'm going to Google it right now. You got to understand the pop culture references. They're just with me. They're like, yeah, it, I'm it old. Becomes, there's a stream of consciousness that comes out and I'm sorry. Kazam. It happens. Bazinga. Now, agendas back to, do we wanna, how do we want to end tonight? Because we've been all over the place and this has been a good conversation because, because none of us have been in a secret society <laughs> as it's been outlined in the notes. And further reinforced by our conversation. That we, yes, uh, <laughs> that we know no one here is Illuminati. If any of our listeners out there have been part of a secret society and would like to talk about this, reach out to Janelle or Ryan and we can um, see if we can get you on the podcast and maybe do a little short interview with you if you'd like to talk about it. Awesome. I have a personal testimony. I'm just, I, oh I think. My. Craig's going to spill the beans. All right. If actually, now. I am the Illuminati. You didn't <laughs> oh. know? That's me. Do you like Beyonce? Is she really cool? Um, can't tell you. Okay. Uh, oh, the single craggies. Oh, the single craggies. <laughs> yeah, me. It's been... <laughs> oh. uh, 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 All right, we should uh, just. Uh, uh, are you Becky? Uh, no, no. I, I just think like the question that Janelle asked for the greater good for the greater good. Like I, I just think that's that's a compelling statement and i i think that that requires thoughtful um definition because you know so much of what we do we we say it's done in the in the uh, purpose for the greater good when in reality it's it's not um and so you know i i, I think that's just a good place to end and go well all right so what what the things that we do their families or our churches or our, you know, club memberships and things like that. Like what, what's it really designed for? And does, does it actually benefit somebody else or, or is the ultimate end game just a self serving kind of secret? And I would say that the majority are all self serving. This feels good. Cause I'm in the end and everybody wants to be in the end that, you know, it's like the inside joke, the gossip, this, yeah. And that's not good, unless it's a really good joke. I mean, it depends on your value system, right? For the greater good. For the greater good. Yeah. But, you know, you hear people say that the means justify the end, and I, I think that can be bullshit, too, which is relatable to this. That's another conversation for another day. So any PSs, any final thoughts, reflections, concerns? Anything about this beer that was delicious tonight? I, the do you was... want us to start a secret brew theology society? If you do, let us know. Mm -hmm. Here's the great thing about brew theology, Janelle. I don't know if you knew this or not, but when you start a brew I theology, so. there's, a, there's the initial secret 
meeting gathering where we we video conference and we talk. Mm-hmm. But out, after that, you're on your own and it's open to the world. Yep. And I think that's what's great about it is that a Calvinist, an old school Anabaptist, Methodocostal, post-evangelical, progressive Christian Nazarene, whatever you want to call it, old can, all, can all get together with atheists and Buddhists and we've had Muslims and Jews and Hindus. Mm-hmm. Who have we not had? I mean... Have we had any Jains? No not Jains. Yet. No... No, Baha'i. I mean, we've got people right out of college to people in their 70s. Mm-hmm. Male, female, yeah. LGBTQ, straight. Yeah. This is uh, the rainbow of love. All of this. So, here we go. That's the... There are no secrets anymore at the pub. No. Yeah. There aren't. That's why you should start one. Down with secret societies. Join Theology. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was fun. Peace. Peace. Cheers. 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 Cheers.